We are in Matthew chapter 5, and we are beginning a new study this morning that's going to take us into the new year, entitled Kingdom Perspective. And we are going to be studying uh, a little bit in the Sermon on the Mount, and this morning our thought and our, uh, our lesson uh, is entitled Walking into the New Year, Walking into the new year. Matthew chapter 5, the Sermon on the Mount, Kingdom Perspective. If you're taking notes, the title of the lesson is Walking into the New Year. So whether you realize it or not, Jesus wants us to be happy. Jesus is interested in our happiness But the fragile happiness often pursued is opposite of Jesus' happiness. Happiness or blessedness that Jesus wants us to have is mature character. We are happy being the person God saved us to be. I am happy in being a multifaceted person, the idea believer, the idea follower of Jesus Christ. That's where happiness comes from. I'm living a life blessed by God, which means I have God's approval on my life. And so it's the posture that my life takes to live approved by God. I think that ought to be our our goal in the new year, to have God's approval on our life, to be happy. Not with a fragile happiness, but with Christ's happiness. Being that idea disciple of Jesus. So following Jesus is principally about me caring about character. Being the person I know Jesus wants me to be. Who he saved me to be. God blesses mature character. I want to look this morning at three steps that we have to take that are essential for being happy in the new year. Three steps that are essential for being happy in the new year. If somebody tells you that God's not interested in your happiness, they're wrong. Because God wants you to be happy. But He wants you to find happiness in Him. Not in fragile pursuits of happiness. But in Him. So what are these three steps? And this morning, we're going to be focusing in on the Beatitudes. What are these three steps that are essential for me to go into the new year? First of all, step number one, I have to be conscious of my spiritual needs. I have to be conscious of my spiritual needs. I want you to notice in verse number three, Blessed are the poor in spirit, For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I must realize that I am poor in spirit. 
Now let me give you what poor in spirit is not. Poor in spirit is not a person that goes around feeling like they have no self-worth. Poor in spirit is not a person that feels like a zero when it comes to God. If anything, the death of Jesus teaches us that we are of great value to God. That He would go to such an extreme for me. That I am loved by God. That I am cared by God. I'm not a zero in God's eyes. That's not a poor in spirit. This Greek word here that you see in verse number 3 for poor, it denotes to cower, to cringe like a beggar. It's someone who crouches about wretchedly begging. It is a poverty that is so deep that I am driven to begging for that which will sustain life. A person like this is totally dependent on someone else to live. Blessed are those who are so desperately poor in spiritual resources that they have to realize they have to have help from a source outside of themselves. That's a poor in spirit. Spiritually bankrupt, I'm sinful. I have no moral virtue adequate to commend myself to God. That is a poor in spirit. There is this moral unworthiness. I am spiritually needy. Blessed are those who are aware they don't have what it takes when it comes to being spiritual. Here's your little jingle that take you into the new year. I can't. Jesus can. I'll just let him period. That is a poor in spirit. I'm conscious that I need God to do for me what I cannot do for myself. I'm honest concerning my needs. I'm honest about my sin. I'm honest about this inability that is within me to save myself, to change myself. Here's something. I'm honest that I don't have all the answers. I am poor in spirit, desperate for God's grace, desperate for God's mercy. I need Jesus. And we live in a culture that is selfish, self-sufficient, who rejects this kind of thinking. You are not poor in spirit if you sit here this morning and think you don't need help. Poor in spirit. Look what verse 4 says. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. The first step I take into the new year is that I am conscious of my spiritual needs. Number one, I am poor in spirit. Number two, those who mourn. Now this is a Christian paradox. Now what is a paradox? One writer said that a paradox is a truth standing on its head calling for attention. This verse is dying for your attention because this verse makes absolutely no sense. Happy are those who mourn. Blessed are those who mourn. And what does that mean? When I see and understand the real me in verse 3, 
In verse 4, I become very emotional about it. It bothers me who I am. It bothers me what I'm not capable of doing. See, Jesus is not teaching that Christians walk around with long faces and never smile. That's not what Christ is teaching you. This joyless disposition that we often take as believers, that is not what Christ is teaching you. Neither is Jesus teaching the mourning of loss or the difficulties that we face in life. That is not what Jesus is telling us here. But what he's teaching is that sin bothers me. This state that I'm in outside of God's grace bothers me. The effect that it has taken on my life, the words that I use, the behaviors that I take on, the attitudes that I take on, this bothers me. I'm bothered by this. Jesus is teaching that happiness comes by way of confronting sin and refusing to rationalize with it and calling it what it is, and it bothers me. The problem is, some of us in here, our sin never bothers us. And we don't mourn over that. Listen, I want to, I want to be honest with you. The sin that is in the world ought to bother you. The way our culture is ought to bother you. The way people are ought to bother you. What people are doing ought to bother you. It ought to bother you that I have nothing to commend myself to God. It ought to bother you. We're not bothered anymore. Blessed are those who mourn. Here's what, the, well, here's what Jesus is teaching. Here's what Jesus is teaching. I'm so overtaken by how spiritually broke I am before God, it drives me to weeping over my life. And we don't weep over our life anymore. We think we have it all figured out when it comes to God, and we don't. Number three, conscious of our spiritual needs. Look what verse five said. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Let me begin by saying that meekness is not weakness. Now, let me tell you what the word does not mean. The word does not mean being a coward or being timid or being spineless. I believe God's people ought to have a little grit about them, don't you? Yeah. Here's what it does not mean. It does not mean that I'm a wishy-washy kind of person. That's not a meek person. Indecisive, lacking confidence. This word for meek here that you see in this text, the Greek word describes an animal that has been tamed. It means medicine that soothes. It's a mild word. This word meek means a gentle breeze. It blows across your life. Blessed be the mild man is what it says. Blessed is the tame man. Blessed is that person that, is, that has a soothing disposition about them. See, I can, I can have grit but I can also be tame. Here's what meekness is. It's 
It, it, it's strength under control. Here's what it is. It's balance. I can be bold. I can be forceful. I can even be confrontational. And at the same time, be cool, calm, and collected. That's a meek person. That's a meek person. I like this. It is taking an unassuming approach to life. Meek. So step number one, I have got to be conscious of my spiritual needs. I'm poor in spirit. I have to be bothered by sin, and I have to be balanced. Balanced. There's nothing wrong with taking a stand, but doing it under control. And we're lacking that. So if I'm going to be a happy person, I have to be poor in spirit. I have to mourn over sin, and I have to be a meek person. Here's a step number two that we need to take. I have to hunger and thirst for righteousness. Look at verse number six. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Now listen to me. This is a subjective righteousness. Subjective righteousness. It's an inner righteousness that works itself out in the way I conform to God's will. Okay? It is an inner righteousness that is working itself out as I am conforming to God's will. So the question that we must ask ourselves before we go any further, am I conforming to God's will? Because if we're not conforming outwardly to God's will, I don't possess the righteousness inwardly I need. And we need to understand this morning, the person who hungers and thirsts for righteousness is the person who wants to live right. They want to live right, conforming to God's will in the most extreme way. Now, let me say something about that little sentence. No matter what it takes, no matter what God calls for, I'm willing to do it to conform. No matter how much I have to give up, in order to conform, I'm willing to do that. That's a person that hungers and thirsts. You want to live right. You want to have the right attitude. You want to reflect Christ in everything you do. You want to be obedient to God. And whatever that entails, you're doing it. Whatever that asks you to do, you're doing it. You don't have a problem with it. Nobody should have a problem that says they're a believer in living right. And so Jesus said, those that hunger and thirst for righteousness, this person that hungers and thirsts for living right, it is a continued hunger, a continued thirst. I never get enough of God. I hunger for Him to rule in my life. Thirsty for God's kingdom. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. And all this will be added to you, Jesus said. Craving God, hungering His Word, and thirsty for change. Man, I don't know about you, but I never want to be quenched in the area of thirstiness for change. I want to hunger for this book. I want to run to it when I wake up. I want to run to it often as I can for change. Thirsty, hungry for that. Blessed are the hung, those who hunger and thirst. 
Now, here's what you need to understand. And this is a great point to kind of let, let it sink in. Character changes, y'all. Y'all realize that. Character changes all the time. And I'm all about being a person of character, being a person of integrity. I think that's one of the huge missing links in our, in our society right now. Nobody is a person of character anymore. But character changes. It, and here's what you need to understand. We tend to lose our moral compass every once in a while. We do. We kind of get off kilter. We kind of, kind of lose our sense of direction in life because we what? We find ourselves not dealing with verse number four, mourning over sin. We don't take sin serious. It doesn't bother us anymore. So our compass gets out of whack and we kind of get off the, we kind of get off the trail, man. And so we lose this moral compass. Character is a choice. Y'all realize that? Y'all understand? It's not something you're born with. Something that that is cultivated and built in you. And character is a choice for you to act in a certain way. And character is the role that I play until I gradually become that thing. So everybody in here has a choice whether or not to be a person of character. And if you play that long enough, you become that. That's a, that's a wonderful word for the new year. Amen? And so Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. So to hunger and thirst for righteousness is to long for God and to choose to live that way until I get to the point that I am that. That's what I am. I live for God. That's who I am. Let me give you a warning. Christians tend to settle into a dull, passionless life, guided by routine and duty. So here's what happens to us. We kind of fit in, kind of hang on. We're kind of drifting. The fire has gone out. The spark is kind of flickering. We're not as fired up for Jesus as we once were. Were. We're not excited about going to church. We're not excited about prayer. We're not excited about the Word of God. We've kind of settled into our our, our position, and we're kind of coasting until we get to heaven. Jesus said, listen, kingdom people, kingdom people, people that that are making up the kingdom of heaven are excited people. They're fired up people. They're hungry people. They're thirsty people. Kingdom people realize that they don't have what it takes Kingdom people are get, get fired up to get around the God who can make a difference. And that's what we need to understand. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. It would do us well to get to the point that we become so hungry and so thirsty that it's a matter of life and death for us as a spiritual individual, as a kingdom person. You do realize you're kingdom resident if you're saved by the grace of God. Not only will Jesus rule one of these days over this earth, but he wants to rule now in your life. And a person, listen, a person who has God ruling in their life, has Jesus ruling in their life, Christ is sitting on that throne, Christ is calling the shots, you're under God's government, you're under God's uh, authority, you're under Christ's government. Man, that's a person of character. They're going to be alert. They're going to be aware of how they live and what they say and the decisions they make because they want to conform. They want to, and they're hungry for that. They're thirsty for that. We've got to make that step into the new year. If I'm going to be a happy person, I've got to be a hungry person. 
Man, if I'm going to be a happy person, I've got to be thirsty. Number three, the third step we have to take is now we have to live the righteous life. So number one, I have to be conscious that, man, I have this great void in my life. I have this humongous void in my life, and I need to be bothered by sin. I need to be a meek person, balanced, right? I need to hunger. I need a thirst for, for what living right, but now I've got to start doing it. See, it, listen, it's easy for us to sit in here on Sunday mornings and agree with everything the Word of God says. It's a wholly, totally different thing when you've got to walk out that door and start doing it. That's where the breakdown comes because from where you sit, by the time you turn the ignition on in your vehicle, somehow there's a breakdown and by the time you get to K-Bob's, living it has just about been erased from your thinking. Man, you're focused on it now, but man, when you go out there, it's a whole different ballgame. Now I've got to live this thing. I've got to live this. I'm poverty stricken. I don't have what it takes. I'm bothered by the fact that there is this potential within me to fail God miserably, and I will, Amen. I've got to have balance in my life. Things bother me, but I can't act upon it in an irrational way. I've got to be a balanced person. You ever notice that we live in a culture right now where everybody's angry without wisdom? Everybody's mad, but they don't have nothing to show for it. It's just anger. That's out, and they, that, That's not a meek person. A meek person is angry and balanced at the same time. It's power under control. Amen? And listen, I need to be hungering and thirsting for God more than I ever did. You know what? Here's what, here's what really, this whole, listen, the Beatitudes are all a big paradox. That's all they are. They don't make any sense. How can I be hungry and thirsty and be filled and still be hungry and thirsty? Because it's in the present tense written in the Greek. That means I'm always hungry, I'm always thirsting, but at the same time I'm still filled. But I'm still hungering, I'm still thirsting, but I'm filled. But I'm still hungry. Listen, you need to understand what Jesus is saying here. This is a character choice. I choose to live poor in spirit. I choose to be bothered about my sin. I choose to be a meek person. I need to be hungry. I need to be thirsty. Here's the third step. Living out this righteousness. Verse number 7. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. The merciful, merciful, that word there, you see it on the screen here, denotes giving help to the wretched. Relieving the miserable. Mercy is compassion to the miserable. Listen, it's just not feeling compassion. It's being moved into action to do something about it. Listen, if you're sitting in this church this morning and you have experienced the mercy of God... You ought to be the most merciful person to another individual there is. Let me say this to you. Your, listen, Jesus' mercy demands mercy. Amen? Listen, God is a merciful God, and it moved him to action. What did he do? He helped me in my misery. What is my misery? Verse 3, I'm poor in spirit. What is my misery? I'm miserable over the fact that I'm a sin has just invaded my life. It bothers me. And it moved him to action. Mercy. 
We ought to be merciful people. Here's something. Developing patience with sinners. What a great word for 2023 to just shut the door on this year and go into the new year. We ought to, gain, we ought to develop some patience with unbelievers. That's a merciful person. Here, here's a merciful person. A person who is tender, empathetic with people who need Jesus. Now here's a kicker. Here's a kicker right in the teeth. I'm no longer questioning behavior. But I'm realizing that it had not been for the grace of God, that's me. That's a kicker in the teeth right there. I no longer question behavior. But I realize that it had not been for the grace of God, yeah, that's me. That's me. That's a merciful person. I no longer make statements like, I can't believe that person who you fill in the blank because that person, had it not been for grace, is you. That's mercy. Blessed are the merciful. Here's another one. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Living it out, ladies and gentlemen, this is the hard part. Verses 1 down through verse uh, six, man, yes, yes, Scott, yes, I believe, yes, amen. You come to verse number seven, it's like, what? What? You get to chapter seven of Matthew, you know what the first thing he says is? Do not judge, lest you be judged. Why are you trying to take a speck out of your brother's eye when you've got a beam sticking out of yours? Be a merciful person. But look at him. He said, be a pure in heart. Inner moral holiness. Jesus is talking opposite of external devotion. It's holiness in the inner person. Pure is an internal cleansing. Purity of our motives. Purity of our devotion. Being free from anything that would, what? Get in the way of our devotion. Being double-minded. Jesus tells us, Jesus tells us that our internal purity should be equal to external purity in chapter 5, verse number 27, where he says, even if you look on a woman with lust, you have committed adultery with her. So in other words, it's not so much the outward act of it that Jesus is concerned with, it's that inner holiness that Jesus says, you better not even look at her and feel like you want to do what? Those who are pure in heart. And how about our motives? Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6 of the Sermon on the Mount, He said, listen, I like single-eyed people. You cannot serve God and money at the same time. It's a purity. And listen, the purer you are, the more you see God clearly. And here's what you need to understand. This bounces us back up to verse number 3. I'm poor in spirit. I don't know where I get this. Because I have nothing in me that would even want to remotely live like this. Because then that brings me to verse number four. I kind of weep over the fact that I can't be pure. 
My thoughts aren't pure. My motives are not pure. My objective is not pure. It's selfish most of the time. Amen? Purity of motives. Divided loyalties. Mixed motives. Don't do that. Double-minded man, James said, is unstable in all his ways. In other words, you can't have one foot in and one foot out. That's not a pure person. Internal purity is to be more than external purity. Amen? Here's what's dangerous about internal purity. Well, here's what's dangerous about internal impurity. It's hidden. Only you know about it. Unfortunately, God does too. But you could hide that thing. Jesus said, I'm more interested in your internal than I am your external. Then he gives us the last one. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Actively pursuing peace in its fullness and purest form. Now, let me tell you what peacemaking is not. It is not being this easygoing person who does not care what others do as long as it don't bother them. That's not a peacemaker. A peacemaker is not a tolerant person. You do your thing and I'm going to do mine. And a peacemaker is not an appeaser. Let me tell you what a peacemaker is. Peacemakers are not afraid to make waves. Peacemakers are honest people. Peacemakers risk pain. You know why? Because truth hurts, man. Peacemakers, and some of you may not like this, but it's true. They're fighters because they fight for peace. And sometimes, listen, sometimes confrontation is unavoidable for the sake of peace. The greatest peacemaker there ever was was the Lord Jesus Christ. And thank God he did a battle above all battles on the hill of Calvary for our salvation. Sometimes the fight is unavoidable for the sake of peace. But man, we have got to be peacemakers, truth tellers, honest people. Not afraid to make waves in order to what? Get peace. I don't know where in the world we get this idea that God's people are passive, this Small, you know, timid, uh, easygoing. Hey, you know what? As long as they're, you know, as long as you stay over there, don't come over and mess. That's not what God. That's not. You listen, if you're a son of God, you are a peacemaker. That means sometimes you may have to what? Roll the sleeves up. But don't listen, 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 listen. Make sure you're balanced and you're meek. Amen. Listen. Don't be one of these that all you know how to do is fight, 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 and not be a meek person, just meek. That's what we need to understand this morning, amen? We got a lot of Christians right now, man, they're wanting to fight, 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 but they're not meek because all they want to do is fight with people, argue with people, gripe with people, call names, judge people's motives, and, 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 and look at people. They, don't, they, 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 they must have a mirror that's blacked out. They never see themselves when they go to look at their and we need, listen, we need balance. We need, you know what Jesus said? Kingdom people are the idea follower of Christ. I am, I am painting for you what an actual Christian looks like. That's what a Christian looks like. He's poor in spirit. He mourns over his sin. He's meek. He's hungry. He's thirsty. He's merciful. 
He's pure and he's a peacemaker. Now, I don't know if you realize it or not, but every one of these Beatitudes came with a reward. So what's the reward in this? I want to give it to you. That This is the conclusion. Here's the reward. Number one, in, in verse number three, only poor people enter the kingdom of heaven. If you're here today and you feel like you don't need help, you don't get into the kingdom. Only poor people get into the kingdom. If you know that you have nothing that you could commend yourself to God for, you get into the kingdom. Poor people are the only ones that get into the kingdom. They're the ones seated in heavenly places. They're the ones that are overcomers now. We are kingdom and priest. Who? Poor people. Poor in spirit. Those are the ones. Only the poor reign in life and exercise authority and power now. Our weakness and our poverty is a beautiful platform for the power of God. Number two, the reward is this. Only those who mourn know immediate comfort. Listen to me. Believers are the only people free from the guilt of sin. That's it. Everybody else has to bear that weight. God's comfort is relational. This word that Jesus is using here is the same word he used in John when he said, I'm going to send you another comforter. It's relational. He said, I've got, listen, you know what comfort is? It's presence. It's God's presence in me. It's His Spirit. That's the reward. It is the comfort of presence. Listen, I can run to Jesus. I can run to Jesus in the reality of who I am and it drives me to Him and He's waiting for me and He embraces me even though I'm poor. Nothing in my hand I bring. Simply to the cross I cling. And He said, welcome. Number three. What is the reward? Verse 5. Only the meek will have part in an earthly kingdom. And let me tell you something. Even now we inherit. You know what Paul said? Paul said it's like we're sitting in heaven right now living on this earth. Only the meek get to go to heaven. Only the meek get to be a part of the kingdom. That's the reward. Verse number 6. Only the hungry and thirsty get filled. Listen. This makes... Satisfied, yet I'm never satisfied. Full, yet I'm empty. Here it is. You ready for this? Here it is. The more you have of God, the more you want Him. That's that's what verse 6 says. The more I have of God, the more I want Him. Here's number number 5. Here's the the reward. Verse 7. Only the recipients of mercy become the objects of mercy. You know what Jesus said? Jesus said, if you forgive, your Father in heaven will forgive you. But if you don't forgive, your Father in heaven will not forgive you. That's what it means to be merciful. If I'm going to be merciful to other people, count on it, you're going to be a recipient of mercy. And here's number eight, I mean number six, verse eight, only the pure see God. The purer we are internally, the purer we are in our motives, the clearer God becomes. So in other words, you ought to check yourself. What is my motive for living for Jesus? What is my motive for going to church? What is my motive for reading my Bible? What is my motives here? To feel good about myself, to get a pat on the back. Jesus said, listen, if you fast before men, you've already received your reward. If you go around looking like you're doing what you're doing for God, You've already got your reward. Blessed is the one that goes around and nobody knows what you're doing for God. It's just you living it. Amen. 
The purer you are, the more you see God. Some of us this new year, we need, to, we, need to, we need to disconnect. You know what Jesus said? If your eye offends you, pluck it out and cast it away. It's better to go into heaven with one eye than it is to go into hell with both. He said if your arm is offending you, cut it off and throw it away. It's better to go into heaven with one arm than to go in with two into hell. Check yourself, Jesus is saying. Whatever's in your life, it's hindering you from living for God. Get rid of it. What a day, ladies and gentlemen, for us to come to an altar and lay whatever it is that's keeping us from what? Purity down at the feet of Jesus and say, no more, I'm done. Because I want to see God. And lastly, here it is, verse 9, only peacemakers are called the sons of God. You know why? It's because of how much you are like Him. Amen. Peacemaking is not a natural human quality. It's a supernatural quality. Only God can make you a peacemaker because what are we? Naturally, we're confrontationalists. Amen. We want the last word. We want our point proven. We want revenge. That's not a peacemaker. Peacemaker. So the radical to call demands change. You know what Jesus is saying? This is what a kingdom person looks like. He's poor in spirit. He mourns over sin. Listen, listen. If you, if you can sit in this church and what we see going on in this world right now not bother you, you're numb to it. You're kind of, you kind of had a seared conscience over it. It's kind of like, okay, yeah, whatever. If you don't gasp, are you kidding me? You definitely need to check up on yourself because I'm going to tell you something. Things still bother me. I'm not, it's not normal for me. I do gasp. I'm like, what? It drives me to tears. Meek, hungry, thirsty, merciful, peacemaker, pure. That is, listen, how are you? This is, and I'm closing. Come on, Aaron. This is, this is the invitation. No need to even pick at pick it that scab anymore. How are you walking into the new year?